Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, the book, Suit Up, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 called Heavenly Roles. Now, Adam is given responsibility, but notice, so he's naming the animals. The, God, the Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Some women, 21, wonder if he ever woke up, but that's for another sermon. He slept. Then God took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh at that place. As the church is born out of Jesus' wounded side, the last Adam we've mentioned before, the first Adam gives birth, if you will, to the woman from his wounded side next to his heart. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. He brought her to the man. God the Father is the first father of the bride. He walks her down the aisle to the man. The man says, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, not from the sole of his foot, not from the top of his head, not to be above him or below him, but from next to his heart. And for this reason, because Eve was taken out of man next to his heart, a man shall leave his father and his mother, his first family, and be joined or cleave to his wife, and they, the two, shall become what? They'll become one flesh. In their oneness... There's a beauty. And the man is called in Ephesians 5, where Paul quotes Genesis 2, to love and cherish his wife as he does his own body. Any man who believes that male headship and female submission means that you can dominate and call your shots from your lazy boy chair is frankly just does not understand the Bible, nor do you understand God's heart? In fact, your call in male headship is to protect your bride. It's to cover her and to lead her toward Christ. Your call is to love her as Christ loves his church, which means you're willing to give up your life for her. It means you're willing to even to give up your rights for her. It means that you will love her in covenant faithfully. This is where we need the grace of God. See, male headship and female submission is not something to be taboo. It's something to be actually celebrated. But I believe the devil has done a great job of making this about a battle instead of about beauty. And people chafe against this. I understand it. And I understand that in many cases, it's not been what it's supposed to be. And can I apologize for men to you ladies who have not been what they've supposed to be, who have taken these verses and abused them and dominated instead of dying for their bride? It's just wrong. But I will say this, that oftentimes when a male pastor is speaking on these things like I am, very little is mentioned about the female's part. And your part is to submit to your husband's leadership because that's the call that God has given him. And I was talking to a sister in Christ the other day about this subject, and here's simply what it means. Don't make it difficult on him. 
And all the ladies said, I will not say the amen to that. I know you will. Just follow his lead and trust God. Now, practically, I've been doing a lot of premarital counseling lately, and I tell couples, look, if a man, if male headship means that a man has to make decisions autonomous of you, like come home and say, honey, we're moving to Idaho. He is a fool. (laughs) Honey, I just bought this brand new shiny red sports car. What do you think of it? Let's go for a drive. You know what our first reaction is going to be? Where are you sleeping tonight? And how much is that going to cost you per month? Right? You do not need to make decisions autonomous from your bride. The two of you are one. You talk about it. You partner in it. And if there's a tough decision and you don't have clarity, then you both pray about it to see what the Lord's will is in it. And in that rare case where a man may have to make a decision for a family, I will say to you, that's probably pretty rare. And when it happens, I have known many noble women who have said to their husbands, I will trust you to lead our family well. You know what that does for a man? He feels like he can fly. It puts an S on his chest. When our wives believe in us and applaud our leadership, we feel like we can leap tall buildings in a single bound. See, one of the things that men long for Ladies, is respect and honor. And I know that you ladies long for security. And sometimes you may pray to the Lord. You may say, Lord, where is he going to take us? (laughs) I understand that. And that's where your prayers for him are important. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 11. So male headship is not a bad thing. It's a God thing. And that's the question that we're really wrestling with, is what does the Bible say about these issues? Do you, do you believe that if you align your life with God's order and God's will, that your life will be in order? They've done a lot of studies, and they've, they've asked questions about what people see as the, what's the image that you have of the best family scenario? What comes to your mind? This is from a book a few years ago, but a lot of people said, Leave it to Beaver. Is that the show? Wasn't that the show? How many of you remember that show? All right, there you go. It's working. Was an ideal family a picture for them? Now, it doesn't always work, we know. We know that in our society, oftentimes two people have to work and all of that. And we know that Proverbs 31 makes an argument for an enterprising woman who can work outside the home Etc. But that's what people said. They saw that as the ideal. I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. Ladies, how many of you would say that it's a good thing? And I'll, I'll say to you that men and women here, uh, the Greek words can be translated husband and wife. So how many of you ladies would say it's a good thing that Christ is the head of every husband? You see, he has a head. And husbands, your responsibility is to be faithful and submissive to your head, who is Christ. Now, hold that thought and turn over to Ephesians, which is a little bit to your right. Ephesians 
chapter 5. So what does this mean? What did Paul, our same author, say this looks like in a marriage relationship? Well, he says it in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. That's the same word, kephale, Ephesians 5, 23, as in 1 Corinthians 11. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, keep reading, love your wives, what your Bible say, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless." There are some commentators that believe that there's an implication in Ephesians 5 that the first thing that the husband, when he arrives before the Lord Jesus, his head will give an account for is how he loved his wife at the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. The first person he's supposed to lead and disciple, cover and love, he will give an answer to his head, to his Lord at the Bema seat. Remember, the Bema Seed is not about judgment for your sin. It's about reward for what you've done well. I want to ask you, gentlemen, if that's true, if you're going to give a first account for how you loved your wife on a scale of 1 to 10, how would she score you? (laughs) Hmm. Something to think about. Now, it says, boy, it's quiet in here. I need to tell a joke or something just so it'll lighten up. 33, Ephesians 5. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even what? As himself. The Bible assumes you already love yourself. And the wife must see to it that she, this is what he longs for, ladies, that she respects her husband. One book uh, that's out there now is called Love and Respect. It's been written just based upon Ephesians 5.33 alone. Keep turning to your right. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Actually, chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, Colossians 3.17, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat and drink, do all for the glory of God. Would any of these things be an issue if we were doing all for the glory of God? I doubt it. And he says these words, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Don't be resentful against your wife. As she submits to your leadership as is fitting in the Lord, you love her. And don't let resentment build in your heart. Keep short accounts. Practice good conflict resolution. Turn all the way to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's more to your right. What does male headship and female submission look like? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, the Christian life is a battle. It's not easy to stay on the straight and narrow, to walk the way we're supposed to in the midst of all kinds of temptations of our flesh, the world, the enemy. And so God has given us a provision. Here's the amazing thing. God has given us armor. And it is because he loves us and wants to protect us. Armor is for protection. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Peter deals with the ladies in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. He repeats a lot of what we've already talked about. He uses Sarah as an example. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 6, Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. So a lot of times in premarital counseling, that's what I recommend that the future wives do just call him Lord from now on. And that's usually when the lady gets up and wants to leave. And then I qualify by saying, I'm just joking. Anyway. <laughs> he says, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. And that's oftentimes where the struggle is. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, she is literally the feminine one, show her honor, we're talking about male headship, what, is, what does it look like, as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be what? Hindered. Imagine if you're a man and you go to the Lord and you, you pray for a coworker that you really would like to see become a Christian. But you've been treating your wife terribly. I think the Lord would say to you, why don't you go love the one I gave to you first and model the gospel to her and then let's talk about your friend at work that you hope becomes a Christian. See, this is what the Bible's talking about. Now, she is the feminine one and this, this weaker vessel has to do with emotional and physical weakness. Um, when I've learned something over the years, and I think this will resonate with you, when my wife and I have a disagreement, my wife is much more impacted and hurt by that disagreement than I am. As a man, I can probably move on relatively quickly, but my wife being the feminine one, and I love her femininity, celebrate it, is much more hurt and wounded by an exchange that's a negative exchange because she's more sensitive. And guys, we need to remember this. This word weaker vessel has the idea of emotional, spiritual and emotional sensitivity. And it does speak of physical strength, which goes back to the fact that you need to be a protector of her as her head. And I would bear this out by saying, Physical strength is part of this because if you arm wrestled your wife, I hope you would win. 
And if you wouldn't, you're pathetic. That's all I can say. <laughs> that was a sort of a joke. Anyway, go back to 1 Corinthians 11. Thank you for the encouragement on row number two. <laughs> I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. Every day that I wake up, I thank the Lord for a new day, and I, I pray a variation of this prayer. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. By faith, I'm going to put on the armor of God, and I'm going to ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And would you love through me? Would you use me as someone who demonstrates who you are in this world that you've put around me? Can I say like Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. Love through me, Lord. Help me to love my wife the way you love me. Help me to model what you've made me to be. And look, it's a battle. But I've got to go to my head, Christ, so that I can lead others well. And if that's been missing in your life, I would encourage you to get back to that basic structure. We've dealt with the Christ is the head of every man. The man is the head of a woman. We've borne that out. And God is the head of Christ. Now, this is celebrated in Philippians 2. We're going to finish there. A little bit more to your right, just past Ephesians, Philippians 2. Christ joyfully submitted to his Father, though equal in nature with God the Father, submitted to God the Father's plan for what? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, they will have everlasting life. Christ's submission to God the Father, though equal in nature with God the Father, means your salvation. And our submission to God in, these, in this creational order, in what God has planned for us, doesn't have those far-reaching of implications. It doesn't mean the salvation for all believers for all time, but it does mean some implications for our own lives. It can mean... Like Paul said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel, that other people are going to get a glimpse of the gospel through my life. It can have sweeping implications as it does here. And as Paul, once again, celebrates the submission of Christ, he says these words, and we'll end with this. Let's go back to verse 3. He says, do nothing from selfish Selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, the word form is morphe, very, in very nature God, that's who he is, he did not regard equality with God, to say he's equal with God means he must be God. But he did not regard equality with God, though he's equal in nature, a thing to be grasped or held on to. But he emptied himself. This is his voluntary submission to the Father. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross at high cost. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, because of his voluntary submission, because of his obedience to death for the salvation of his bride, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. And this includes believer and unbeliever alike. Christ is the head of everyone. So at the name of Jesus Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, under the earth, sweeping statements. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work it out. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Father, we come before you as a church body, many married couples in this room, some who have the gift of singleness, some who are widows. And I believe, Lord, that if our first commitment is that Jesus is Lord of my life, the rest will follow. And Lord, I know you want to bless marriages. You, you designed it. You gave an order to it that it might be something beautiful that thrives. And in Ephesians 5, Paul will say that marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. Lord, I would ask for your mercy and forgiveness for times that I failed. And I'm sure I'd probably be speaking for all the folks in this room that we would say that there's been times that we've all failed to walk out what it means that you are our head, to walk out what it means to see the order in marriage. Thank you for your mercy and grace, your patience with us. You're an amazingly patient God. We want to lift up the folks in the church all around this country of ours, in this fellowship. We lift up our country to you. We lift up the folks around us who need to see the gospel in the way that we live. Help us, Lord, to yield more to you so that that can come through and it can be a natural thing and it can create some bridges and some opportunities as we earn the right to be heard by those who live around us and work around us. So would you help us all as we kneel before you, our great God and Savior, fill us afresh, give us the passion that we need to love those around us well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're listening to Heavenly Rolls Part 3 on Walk in Truth. I'd like to tell you about Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. I'm sure you can agree that there's many ways that you can be tempted to do something you'd rather not do. Well, each piece of the armor of God exposes the typical ways we're tempted and helps guard you against them. Armor is for one thing, protection. And it's called the armor of God because it's everything God is and provides for the believer. The one who wants to protect us is our Heavenly Father. And each piece God graciously provides reveals the nature and methods of attack. God is showing us the face of the enemy reflected in the pieces of his armor. This book will help you suit up, fight temptation, and stand strong in your spiritual life. And this is the last week to get your copy of the book as a thank you when you give a financial donation of $5 or more supporting our radio and podcast ministry. Please give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. 
Again, you can give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Thanks so much for your gift, and we pray that the book blesses you. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes when we look at roles in marriage, we ask the question about a feminist outlook to marriage. Can we still obey the Bible and have a feminist outlook? Well, yes, we can, because I think the beauty of feminism is the beauty of being a woman made in the image of God and living for the honor of God. And I think any wise man would say that to love your wife well, to love her as Christ loves the church, is the definition really of what it means to be a man after God's own heart. And when that's happening, I think it's easy for a woman to follow that kind of leadership. And that would be healthy feminism, I would say, in the Bible, is to be God's woman, just like we want to be, for us guys, God's man. Well, we're going to get into a cultural situation in the city of Corinth, stuff about the veil and throwing off the veil and some some stuff that you might read at first and go, what in the world is that talking about? But it's actually has to do with honor and worship and how how we live our lives and what kind of messages we send by what we wear and how we worship. So stay tuned. Some more <laughs> deep waters, controversial stuff here on Walk in Truth. But it's going to be a great section called Honor and Worship. Stay tuned for that. That's tomorrow on the program. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for a new teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about the honor in worship. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.